Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, church family. This morning, I want to speak directly into what's going on in our world. And let me just say up front, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in any sense of the word. I can't tell you what's going to happen to this virus. In fact, I don't even think those who would call themselves experts could tell you what's going to happen. But what I want to do is speak into the life of our church from the perspective of Christ's followers who should have faith. And that's why I've titled this series, Certainty in Uncertain Times. Because the bottom line is this. Whatever God has said is true in this book right here is certain. You can bank on it, no matter the external circumstances. And that's comforting. Now, it goes without saying that a lot of people are on edge right now. They're deeply concerned and deeply suspicious. Now, I've been battling a nagging cough for about three months now, long before this coronavirus came into being. But that doesn't stop people from being very suspicious of me. I mean, I try to hold it back when I'm speaking or out in public, but every once in a while, I just can't help it. And I cough in front of somebody else. And it's kind of taught me what it must have been like to be a leper in Old Testament times. I mean, people literally back away. I feel like I should be yelling, unclean, unclean. And I try to explain to people that I've had this cough for a long time. It's, it's no big deal. Doesn't help. They kind of give me this look. And it's not a go to church kind of look. It's a go to somewhere else kind of look, if you know what I'm saying. Now, as a pastor, I, I talk to people a lot. And it's been fascinating for me to watch and listen to people's reactions to the unknown. Seems like some kind of overplay the situation while others downplay the whole thing. And this concept of social distancing has definitely affected different people in different ways. It seems like the introverts and the deep thinkers are not struggling that much at all. But the extroverts and the big-time doers, they're struggling a lot more. You know, for me, I am a doer. So I've basically stayed extremely busy over the past few weeks, you know, coming up with new and creative solutions for how we'll do church, developing new sermon series, and so forth. Of course, putting a workaholic like me in isolation, it's kind of like putting a drunk in a bar. I mean, there's been no one to stop me. So I'm just kind of clipping along with life, just staying busy. But if you look around, or if you open up any news app or turn on the television, you're going to see all sorts of news that's changing moment by moment. I mean, literally, we've had professional sporting events and conferences and concerts canceled overnight. We've had schools shutting down for the semester and sending work home online. We've got travel bans appearing left and right, and now we have a stay-at-home order for the next few weeks. We also know that grocery stores and Amazon are out of toilet paper and other goods. So what are we going to do as Christians in the midst of all this? I mean, are we going to ignore it? Just act like everything's okay, just have great faith? Are we going to stockpile beans, rice, and ammunition and hunker down for the next three months? How should we respond as Christians? Well, that's what I want to talk about in this series. And first of all, I want to talk about our perspective as Christians and how we can reach a lost and hurting world in the midst of this situation. 
You know, personally and corporately, we can't really make any long-term decisions today. I mean, we can't say definitively, here's what's going to happen over the next month, or here's what's going to happen in the next two months, or six months, or whatever. And I found that in a time of crisis and panic, it's best not to project out into the future. It's always best to make wise decisions based on what we know today in this moment. And so that's how we're going to lead as a church. We're going to lead day to day. We're going to watch what's happening. We're going to pray for wisdom. And we're going to make the best and wisest decisions possible. And as followers of Jesus, I hope you know that the filter that informs our decisions is very different from the world's filter. Our filter is not the same as this world. In fact, the Bible says this in Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. See, we are not of this world. We are not like everyone else. And part of what that means is we should not be living in fear. That's why the title of this particular message is Fear Not. Fear not. As followers of Jesus, we don't have to respond the way the world does because we are not of this world. And today, I want to show you three ways that we are not like this world. And the first way we're not like this world is this. We live by faith, not by fear. We live by faith, not by fear. In fact, when Jesus was comforting his disciples in John chapter 14, he said to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then he went on to say in verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. What is certain in uncertain times is the fact that God tells us we don't have to fear anything. Now, I hope there's someone out there that if you've been living in fear, if you're anxious, if you're afraid of what's going to happen, where the economy's going, where the world is going, I hope that you can grasp the fact that Jesus gives us a peace that is not of this world. It's a peace from heaven. We're told to live by faith and not by fear. In fact, I actually love the way the New Living Translation translates the words of Jesus here. In the New Living Translation, Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Jesus says, peace is a gift from me to you. Boy, some of you should receive this gift today. I mean, if someone gives you a gift, what do you do? You're excited about it, right? And when you open it up, you smile and say, thank you, thank you for this gift. Jesus is offering you the gift of peace of mind and peace of heart. So when the rest of the world is living in fear, we get to open up this gift from Jesus. It's a peace this world can't understand. I mean, Jesus even says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I hope you realize that right now, God is not sitting up in heaven doing the one-handed clap, right? He's not saying, OMB, I didn't see this one coming. Whoa, I didn't see the COVID-19 coming. I mean, I was so distracted by the U.S. politics with the election. I didn't even see this coming. I mean, it was kind of brewing in China, and I wasn't looking over there, and now it's all out of control. I don't know what to do. No, 
Folks, God is not panicked right now. He's not taken aback. He's not surprised. He's not afraid. And we have to remember that our God is always in control and that he has a plan. And even though we live in a dark, broken, sinful, disease-stricken world, God has a way of bringing good, even out of bad circumstances. He is working in all things, everywhere, every day. And whatever you're going through, if you're one of his children, he promises to bring good out of it. So whatever battle you're facing, God is with you and God is for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? As followers of Jesus, we live by faith and not by fear. The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So we're not panicking. We have a peace from heaven. Paul also said this, For we live by faith, not by sight. So trust God. Thank Him for His gift of peace. Open up that gift and enjoy it. Okay, so first, we live by faith and not by fear. Second, as Christians, we are sacrificial, not selfish. Now, technically, we are selfish. I mean, without Jesus, without his Holy Spirit living in us, we are born selfish and we will remain selfish. How many of you have a two-year-old or younger? Now, you never have to teach a two-year-old how to be selfish. Am I right? Have any of you ever held selfish lessons? Johnny, come in today and we're going to teach you how to be selfish. What I'm going to do is I'm going to try and take away the toy that's really mine, you know, the one I gave you. And when I do, I want you to scream, mine, mine, okay? No, you never have to do that with a toddler. Because by nature, in our fallen human nature, we are very selfish. But our redeemed nature as a new creation with Jesus living in us, that's a sacrificial nature. It reflects the nature of Jesus who demonstrated the most sacrificial love in the history of the world. He gave his life for us. And now the Bible says that his spirit lives within us. So as followers of Jesus, we're not selfish. Instead, we're sacrificial in what we do. In fact, Paul told the believers in Philippi this. He said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. And watch what he's going to say next here. He doesn't say, go freak out. He doesn't say, go hoard supplies. He says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Boy, that's a good word for us. In fact, when I look at the first century believers, the early church, as they were facing extraordinary persecution, when they would lose their homes, when they would lose their families, sometimes they would even lose their lives for their faith. Let me tell you what they weren't doing. They weren't rushing to the Jerusalem Megamart to grab emergency supplies. They weren't freaking out and hoarding beans and rice and toilet paper, okay? What we have to understand is that we now are the body of Christ here on earth. And because of that, we put others ahead of ourselves, just like Jesus did. And we have a fantastic opportunity right now to live differently than the world, to be sacrificial and not selfish. In fact, I love what happened in the early church. In Acts 2, we see this. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Okay, and watch what they did. They didn't hoard. They weren't selfish. But instead, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. What I hope you'll understand 
is that in the next few weeks or months, you may have more opportunities for generosity in the name of Jesus than you could at any other time. You may have something someone else needs and you recognize God has blessed me to be a blessing to someone else. And not just materially, but spiritually. And every one of us, we know people who are hurting or, or maybe people who are afraid. And you could not only give them something material, but you can also give them hope, maybe even companionship. You can speak faith into the lives of others who are so often paralyzed by fear. Well, the Bible goes on to talk about this New Testament church. And it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Okay, first of all, they met together publicly in the temple courts. Now, obviously, we can't do that right now. But did you notice the second part? It says they met together privately in their homes. And through the Internet, we can do that, even today. So what I want us to do is not have a once-a-week kind of faith. I want us to have a daily faith like they did where every single day you wake up and you say, wherever I am, whatever it is, we're having church right here. It may be just me and my family on Sunday or, or me and my friends in our small group during the week, but we're going to call each other or Skype each other or Facebook Live each other or Zoom each other, whatever. With all the technology we have to keep in touch, we can still pray together. We can still hang out with each other. We can still study God's word together we can still seek his face together. And with the spare time many of us now have, I think we can more readily have an everyday kind of faith. But what we're not going to do is abandon our church. What we're not going to do is abandon our faith. And, and we won't just have a once a week, gather together at a building kind of faith. We're going to cultivate a daily faith. How awesome will that be? We won't stop worshiping God. We're committed as a church to create the best online church experience possible. I mean, if you missed the worship online last week, it was fantastic. I had chills worshiping God in my living room last Sunday. It was very powerful. And today, we were able to have both worship teams, the Georgetown campus and the Sun City campus worship teams, leading worship in their own unique style. Is that great or what? But that's not all. Our families with kids, they're giving us wonderful reviews about watching the children's teaching videos, working through biblical principles together as a family. Our teenagers are connecting online midweek, and they're loving it, studying the Bible, discussing things in online small groups, even playing games together online. It's awesome. Our youth pastor, Dan Robb, he is connecting daily with our teens through a Facebook and Instagram daily devotional. Last week, it reached over 471 people. So we're actually doing church daily like never before. Kind of makes you wonder if God didn't see all this coming, huh? Of course he did. And he has a plan for us to grow spiritually through this time like never before. The doors of the church building may be shut, but you can't shut down our faith. We're going to continue like never before. We will preach the gospel like never before. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ and reach people that no one else is reaching. We have a congregational care team that is ready to take care of the needs of the elderly and others who can't care for themselves. 
both inside and outside of our church. We're going the extra mile to do church like never before. Look again at Acts 2 here. <clears throat> Look at what it says. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Isn't that awesome? And then check this out. What happened? What happened is, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. With all of my heart, I believe that God will use this time in the history of the world when people are afraid, when people have needs, when people are searching for answers, God's going to use this time to lead many to himself. We're going to see people put in their faith, their trust in God, because they'll see our witness and they'll see that we are not of this world. We are not like this world. So first, we live by faith and not by fear. Second, we are sacrificial and not selfish. And finally, we shine the light, not hide it. We shine the light of Jesus. We're not going to hide it. Jesus said this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, and church, here's your assignment. Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. You are a light, so let it shine. Don't hide it. During this time, many people are feeling incredibly unsettled, unsure, anxious, and they're looking somewhere for hope. The good news is, what are you? You're a bunch of radical, faith-filled hope dealers. That's what you are. You're light shiners. You're love givers. Listen to me, church. This virus may be contagious, but I'm praying for some Jesus followers who are even more contagious, spreading his love, spreading his grace, spreading his hope, spreading light. I believe the hope Jesus brings will spread faster than any virus all over this world. Because you know what? Whenever the world grows darker, the light of Jesus just shines brighter. And what are we? We are light shiners, hope dealers, faith givers. That's what we are. We are the body of Christ here on earth. So we don't hide our light. We let it shine. You know, back in the first century, Christians faced all kinds of persecution and hardship. And you know what they said to people who tried to get them to stop spread that light of Jesus? You know what they said to those people? They said, we can't stop talking about what we've seen and heard. We can't stop. We can't stop praising. We can't stop worshiping. We can't stop giving. We can't stop sharing. We can't stop shining because of what we have seen and what we have heard. Boy, that's the attitude we need to adopt. And if you're anxious about talking to others about Jesus or you're anxious about the coronavirus or you're anxious about anything else, I want you to remember the words of the Apostle Paul when he said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So what do we do as Jesus followers? Let me review here. We live by faith, not by fear. We are sacrificial, not selfish. And we shine the light. We don't hide it. Now, 
I've been talking to believers in this message today, to our church family, but I recognize that some of you listening right now, you might not be sure about the whole God thing. And you may be thinking, I don't have this peace. I don't know about Jesus or heaven or forgiveness. I don't know where I stand with God. Well, let me tell you some good news this morning. The Bible says that being forgiven, having a relationship with God, knowing you're going to heaven, it's all a free gift. And you get it not by going to church, not by doing good things or not doing bad things. You get it by faith in Jesus alone. By believing that Jesus, the perfect son of God, came to this earth, lived the perfect life you couldn't live, and then died on a cross to pay the price in full for your sins. And then he came back to life on the third day. And now he offers that gift of a relationship with God free of charge, based entirely on what he has done for you. The Bible says we are saved from our sins by grace. That word means a free gift. We're saved by grace and not by works, not by doing lots of good stuff. There are a whole lot of people who go to church and try to do good things, but they don't really know the grace of God. And if you think doing good deeds will get you into heaven, you've missed the whole point of Jesus coming to this earth. You've missed the whole point of Jesus dying to pay for your sins. The Bible says that we are made right with God by faith, trust, belief in Jesus, and not by the works of the law. So when we pray in a few minutes, if you've never done so before, let me urge you to put your faith 100% in what Jesus has already done for you and 0% in what you have done. And then you can know for certain that you have forgiveness, eternal life, and a relationship with God. Let me close with this passage from 2 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says this, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And what does this mean? First, we have this treasure in jars of clay. What does that mean? Well, the treasure is Jesus living in us. And the jars of clay, that's us. It's like we have this body of mud. But we also have this treasure, this gift of salvation, this power of Jesus living within us to show the world that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Hey, we may be hard-pressed on every side, but church, we are not crushed. We may be perplexed right now. Many people are, but we are not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Why? Because of who he is, because of what he's done, because of his promises, because of his power, because of his presence that is always with us. So whatever you're going through today, I hope that you can feel God's love for you. He has not abandoned you. I mean, you may feel alone in your home, but you're never alone because your God never leaves you or forsakes you. And he is always a good, good father. And that's why as followers of Jesus, no matter what comes in the days ahead, we will live by faith when others fear. We will sacrifice when others are selfish and we will shine brighter than ever, bringing light, love, and hope to the world around us. Let's pray.
First of all, if you're listening today and you're not sure where you stand with God, that if you were to die today, you don't know if you're forgiven, if you go to heaven, please don't wait another minute to get right with God. Jesus paid for your sins in full, and he only asks that you put your faith in him. And right now, wherever you are in the quietness of your heart, you can simply say, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner, that I have fallen short of God's perfect standard. But I believe that you lived the perfect life I couldn't live. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe your promise that whoever puts their faith, their trust in you will have forgiveness and eternal life. And so right now, I am trusting no longer in myself or in anyone else, but in you and you alone, Jesus. Father, I also want to pray for all of my brothers and sisters listening to this message. And my prayer is simple. I pray that in the midst of this crisis that you would build the faith of your church, that we would not live in fear but trust the promises of your word. I pray as well, God, that we would take this opportunity to live sacrificially and not selfishly, that the world would see something different in us because of the way we give, because of the way we share, because of the way we care for others, that we would truly love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. God, I also pray that your church would shine like never before in the midst of the darkness of this world, that we would not hide our light which is really your light in us. But instead, that we would let the whole world see that we are not of this world and that many would be attracted to the light we shine and come to know you personally. And finally, Lord, we pray for those who are hurting right now. We pray for those who are grieving. We pray for those who are sick. God, we pray for healing. We pray for wisdom for our leaders and those making critical decisions right now. We pray for doctors and nurses and, and those serving on the front lines that you would protect them. We pray for global economic environments and that you would provide for those who have suffered maybe the loss of a job or, or maybe they're experiencing significant financial burdens. And ultimately, God, we pray for a cure and, and for a vaccine as soon as possible. But most of all, I pray right now that we, your people, the church, would rise to the occasion and be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.